third base, the hot corner. Dingers, runs, RBI, all must be high. Walks and low Ks with at least a 270 average and an OPS over 800 to be of use in Dynasty. We've ranked 70 guys that'll help, hurt, or be a placeholder over the next five seasons. It's time for Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just interns that win you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs. Joining me again this evening is Bob Baseball. Builder also. Bob the Builder? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're almost done. You've been building forever. So yeah, I guess you could probably call that a career at this point. It, it has been quite the project. So my hands, as I was telling you before we started, Ty, are killing me from all the tiny little shards of tile as I've been cutting them and they've been ripping into my fingertips. Uh, but my tiles look really good and I can't wait until it's done and then I can go upstairs and do it all over again. <laughs> that doesn't sound fun. You're not really selling it for me. Yeah, I, the home renovations uh, from, you know, the concrete all the way now to putting, uh, I guess, smaller amounts of mortar, uh, another form of concrete into my house. It just never ends. But someday I will live in it and it'll all be worth it. And if you want to see what it looks like, I'm sure Rob will be posting it somewhere on his Twitter account at Robbie Baseball One. Uh, get over there and check him out. Uh, don't be afraid to tweet at the podcast at Dinger Spot or get me at Turney Boss be happy to chat but Robbie let's dive in today I'm taking the evening off from the alcohol so rather than run the normal intro we're just gonna let you talk about what you're drinking tonight lukewarm beer it's not lukewarm it's kind of chilly but I'm I'm gonna be cracking a corona here uh all of my delicious Ontario craft beers that I purchased last week are hanging out in my garage and as I just mentioned that I have been tiling, I actually tiled myself out of my garage access for tonight and I would have had to go outside and then into my garage to get it. And quite frankly, with the snow, with the way I'm feeling, it wasn't worth it. So to Coronaville I go and uh, that's, just, that's just what's going to happen. Because as we know, if I don't drink, then I stutter over basic words and sentences as well as player names. names. Yeah, forget names in general. <laughs> Uh, let, let's jump into, we do have an update on the Tommy John Express. Our boy Eric Pardino of the Toronto Blue Jays, his 2020 season is RIP. And ultimately, this is a kid that everyone was excited about. Lots of concerns over his size. This could be the beginning of the end for a small frame but definitely worthy of note because he was a top 10 prospect in the Jays system. Yeah. And I think last year may have been when people were really starting to pay attention to him, but he, I think finished in Dunedin. Um, he's always had the RP tag to him. And this might actually be something that helps when he comes back. If he is happy to be 
a uh, Roberto Osuna type uh, who could just want to be a professional ma uh, major league baseball player and just convert to a reliever and then fly through the system uh, starting in 2021. It would be nice to see something come out of this Brazilian signing. Um, now it's certainly in question because every time this happens, we don't know what in the heck's going to happen with the guy when they come back. I mean, he's still just 19 and he's not yet had a professional season where his ERA has been over 2.9. So I don't think the Jays are going to give up on him as a starter just yet. Lots to offer still. Very dominant stuff. It's just a matter of can it be sustainable? And I mean, how many pitchers truly go through their entire career these days without Tommy John? It's very few. So as a result, I don't think this hurts him yet. He's still 19. He'll recover quickly. And I think it could ultimately even make his durability better on the flip side because the Tommy John, with a few exceptions, has been pretty successful over the years. So I, I wouldn't expect this to be to derail his career. It definitely makes you ask questions moving forward and just you should be paying attention at all times. Yeah, and this is just going to create prospect fatigue, which means in 18 months and I mean maybe even two years, people will be ready to deal him because he's just been kicking around for so long. And like you said, Ty, he's 19 now. So most will probably be 22 years old. Um, you know, when we give it 24 plus months. So this could just make him an easier guy to acquire as we go down the road, but it's going Absolutely. to have to affect our um, top 200 prospect rankings, which he wasn't on, but it's going to slow his entry to it. Absolutely. So tonight we're covering third base as Robbie said on the intro this is my favorite position, the position that I played. Uh, I love the hot corner. It's just a fat, I, I'm fascinated by the position. So we've ranked 70. We're going to run through the bottom half because most of these guys are useless, but they could be peripheral waiver type guys and or guys that are a little further away that are on the radar, but maybe aren't projected to be superstars. So we'll jump in here, Robbie. Let's, let's dive right in at number 70 here. We'll race through this back half because there's nobody really of, of major note here. Uh, at 70, we've got Christian Arroyo. He's in Cleveland at this point. He was a Tampa Bay prospect for a long time. Had San Francisco then got traded to Tampa Bay in the Longoria deal. Yeah. Either way, useless. He's just been uh, a prospect for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot to offer there. Robertson in Tampa Bay is, is going to go the way of a lot of the players on that Tampa Bay infield this year. There's just not going to be enough at-bats. I expect him to be the, one of the casualties for sure. Uh, Kevin Matan in LA is just going to be tough to get up there, especially with a certain free agent that landed in uh, Anaheim this season. Uh, Jake Berger ahead of him is a guy that former first round pick in 17 should start in double a really targeting a back half of the year, maybe a September call up. If not should aim for kind of a bench roll in 2021, but Lots happening in Chicago, so you just don't know. He could be a trade asset at the de deadline as well. So uh, ahead of him, Tristan English in Arizona. Third round pick in 19, 93rd overall. He's got the ability to kind of go quickly, 290 average in his pro debut last season. You're not looking for him to arrive until 2022, but a guy definitely on the horizon. Ahead of him is a guy going the opposite direction. Um, it could be in his car. Jung Ho Kang. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's too easy. Sorry. Oh. He was a sleeper that just never came alive in 2019. Uh, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, Jung Ho Kang, I believe, has had three DUIs in Korea uh, and missed what a uh, year and a half. half. Yeah. yeah. 
So, Sorry. and now he's got bad knees. So the reason that Ty was bringing that up is for that, just for anybody that wasn't fully aware. Uh, <laughs> that was yeah. low hanging fruit. I couldn't, I couldn't leave Alan. Oh, I liked uh, it. So I just wanted to <laughs> let people know if they were wondering why you said that. about. Yeah. Him. Ahead of him is uh, kind of another casualty of a deep infield is Yaro Munez in St. Louis. Not really a lot to offer a high end wise enough to be a backup infielder, probably. Uh, nothing really beyond that. Ahead of him is Nick Quintana in Detroit. Uh, this is a guy that's a 47th overall pick in 2019. Really is going to be behind Paredes for a while. Um, it's it's really him kind of trying to settle in, but he's 317 in college with a really significant OPS, 989. So we'll see if that back can translate into the pros. Ahead of him is Ty France, who's a guy that, you know, has had good numbers for a while, but he did have seven home runs in 184 plate appearances uh, last season. There's power there. It's just, can he deliver some of those other categories? Really looking for a job at some point though. Ahead of, ahead of him, Rio Ruiz in Baltimore, not a really huge piece of note here. Uh, that infield is pretty boring. So if he does have a good spring, maybe you see him move a little bit. Um, some potential for some at bats out there, but not a lot above that. And then I'll I'll jump off here at at Kelvin Gutierrez in Kansas City, and I'll hand it to Rob because you for some reason love this guy. I don't I don't want to say I love him. I just I just think that you know this is the kind of guy you can take a flyer on. He's got a decent uh, OBP in the three thirties, OPS upper seven hundreds, and at third base, one of the few guys we can actually talk about with some stolen base potential here. And although we do have, um, uh, was it, I just said it wrong earlier. I haven't had enough to drink yet. Uh, Franco that came over from Philly. Mikel to, Franco. Yeah. Mikel Franco. Thank you. Um, he's there on a one year deal. And if things don't start out well for him, if Hunter Dozier is good to not be at third base, then Gutierrez could come up and could have that job. Now it doesn't mean that we're going to see anything crazy out of the 25 year old, but the fact that he does have some decent peripherals means he might be able to help you out in three categories. So it's nothing crazy, but this is just of this list. This is a guy who I think is decent to consider for a long shot. The highest I had him at 55, the highest ranked guy I had in this list um, was, or sorry, is Rio Ruiz of Baltimore and the 26 year old more than anything just has the opportunity to play and create more chances for himself. So, uh, in here, Ty, you had Ty France as the highest guy at 49 for you. Um, is that just the fact that he's a good baseball player? I had him blocked in San Diego, so I wasn't able to get him really high. I have him at 68, but I, like the guy's jacked. Um, I just more or less have him as, as a guy in that group that I think is probably going to get the most at-bats. Uh, realistically, I, I think there's there's some talent in that group. Uh, but I think realistically in the next five years, which is how we're measuring these guys, not for just this season, not for eternity, just for the next five years. I think he is probably the most valuable guy in that group. Yes. Good point. You made also that we are going from the 2020 to the 2024 season end and for hitter categories. Cause somebody asked me about this before the eight by eight category is what we use. The five by five is the standard, but we're talking dynasty as always. So we added a few categories that we know of. Um, we've got runs, RBIs, home runs, stolen bases, walks, average, and the OPS. We did OPS versus OBP because we know of more people in OPS leagues. 
So we've got more power com combined there with the negative category being strikeouts. Um, when we're talking about pitchers, we've got eight other categories, but we will stay on topic for tonight. So yeah, of, of that list, I don't think anybody, Nick Quintana could be the best player out of this, but I think Gutierrez has the ability to maybe come up. And Kevin Maiton's the guy who was in Atlanta, um, illegally signed, then cut, then came in with uh, the Angels and just hasn't been able to settle and excel anywhere. Um, but he's on the list because at some point in time, he's probably going to creep his way up. He is only 20 years old right now. So um, he really only needs to be able to put in, I don't know, 800 at-bats and he could make an impact um, by the end of the 2024 season. So uh, I am good to go. If you don't have anybody else to mention, Ty, good to go nope. from 59 down to 50. All right. We have Nick Reddy, Miami Marlins. Uh, I will talk about him at the end of this. You have Garnis Solarte of Atlanta, Matt Duffy now of Texas, Pablo Sandoval at 56 for San Francisco, Number 55, Reese Hines, Cincinnati. Number 54, Brendan Drury. Number 53, Miguel Geraldo, both Blue Jays. Number 52, Ryan Healy, now of Milwaukee. Number 51, Jake Lamb. And number 50 on this list, Mark Vientos of the New York Mets. Ty, you got a favorite? You got a big hate on for somebody here? I just hate this whole group, to be it's honest. Rough. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, I think Geraldo, for me, is probably the best of the group. This is a guy, another Toronto guy, so a bit of a homer. But, you know, their, their system's really deep. Hard to argue it. Um, Geraldo, for me, is one of those guys that has slid under the radar because of all the hype around Bichette and Vladdy. This is a kid that has done nothing but mash baseballs. And if he can become a little bit more of a balanced hitter, the power is there. And I think there's a huge upside here. And Toronto's definitely going to find themselves with a ton of extra assets on that infield. And Geraldo is going to be one of those guys that could potentially push through it if the batting average comes around a little bit more. Uh, but overall, I, I think he's the guy. There's a couple flash in the pans in that group, but I'm, I'm not really excited about anybody else in that list. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fair. I think Reese Hines is a potential... Uh, 40 home run guy or he could be you know a 260k guy so he's not getting up much higher i have him at 49 you've got him at 59 um pretty fair to say that expectations are low and I'm, i mean recently drafted as well so we're not expecting five seasons of production from Hines. we just think when we do get production it won't be of the highest level he's got to make some changes while he's in the minors now um nick reddy who i did say i would mention uh, I can't imagine too many people are familiar with Reddy. He's a 23-year-old who was drafted in the 23rd round last year. So if you're wondering why I'm mentioning that, it's because when you look on Fangraph's roster resource for the depth chart for Miami, he is the highest guy, and there are only two on the list, and the other guy is an 18-year-old, uh, what's it, Christian Rodriguez, who was an amateur free agent out of Venezuela two years ago. So the depth is non-existent in Miami. It's really funny, Ty, because if you look at first base for them too, there are only three guys that are listed as depth pieces in their organization, Luan Diaz being one of them. So he's going to be like out of this list and on the MLB team uh, in no time. And then they've got a 25-year-old and a 22-year-old. So not guys that are um, you know, highly touted or whatever, but uh, Nick Reddy's not, you know, 
not not the worst guy to have on a list. Um, he could get you a few Ks. He could be up as early as the end of next season if he gets a really aggressive assignment. Miami might just be taking a flyer on a guy really late in the draft and trying to move him up quickly. They test him, he passes, they move him up. They test him, he passes, they move it up. Because the odds are really good that this is just going to be a minor league system with plugs in it. So if he's able to succeed as a draft pick, he could find himself moving up pretty quick. Um, yeah. Having him well, ranked where he is is not an aggressive rank for this guy. It's just it's where he fell, 59 yeah. overall. Absolutely. No, and the Miami system is strong. So you're going to see him paired up with some of the – next guys like Luis Diaz is kind of in on an island on his own coming up in the higher minors but below that there's a ton of talent coming and uh, they've done a pretty good draft it, or job drafting the the last couple of years here so the only other guy that I think is worthy of mentioning cuz you got a bunch of platoon guys the rest of that group uh Drury's a guy that I would stay away from completely I do think he's going to catch on somewhere and may have some fantasy value but I think you're going to miss a good chunk of season here before he does. Uh, I just think the Jays are going to end up designating him after spring training. So really? I think, yeah, I do. Yeah. I just don't see how they justify keeping him with all the other athletes that they've brought in. Like you can't tell me you'd rather have him than a potential contact guy like Joe panic. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, no, I think panic's going to be on the team. And I, I thought I had heard the report. I certainly didn't read it anywhere that Toronto was going to be fine to not have a shortstop uh, bench player this year, which means that panic would be the guy, which I, you know, whatever you can do whatever you want or say whatever you want in, um, in February. It's, it's a matter of what happens come April and into May. Um, And don't forget about Espinal who's right there too, right? He's a a 25 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's forgetting about him. He's probably the most talented of those three that we just mentioned, jury panic. Espinal. I mean, Panic had a flash where he was the best guy of that group, but we haven't seen that in a couple of years. Yeah, and that's the thing with, with Drury. I just don't know that they DFA him because they're so light. But uh, whatever. Lots of things could happen. Um, but either way, yeah, like I had him ranked 60th. You had him 45. So I guess you see him getting more at-bats than I do. Yeah, they um, also still have T. Oscar in center field. So that's not realistic. But anyway, let's right. move on to some actually <laughs> – relevant guys uh did you, you finished off on vientos right yes so we're at 49 so Vient, vientos is a guy obviously that it could could roll up in the met system over the next couple of years but got a little bit ahead so jumping ahead matt thyson uh la again depth problem there for them anthony randone is going to be the guy so not a lot of huge huge upside a little bit of pop but definitely blocked could end up with some ab's on the other side of the infield that's remotely possible uh, just ahead of him is a guy that's been around as a Drupal Cabrera uh, back in Washington again this season. At some point, Father Time has to catch up with this guy. He's been great as a really nice depth piece, but the, the end is coming. It's just a matter of when, and they have lots of depth there. So you're probably going to see some limited at-bats. So depending on your format, Cabrera could hurt you based on limited at-bats. So make sure you're paying attention. Could hurt you in your counting categories, and you definitely want him if you're in, you know, a day by a daily league where you can play him as a starting lineup, you don't want him where you have to lock him in for the week. That's yeah, really- certainly that's the best format for him to be owned as daily lineups. Absolutely. And Miguel Vargas ahead of him is a third third base progress pro- yeah, prospect in the Dodgers system. I really like this kid. This is a kid I've been watching for a little bit. He's moving quickly. I think he's an underrated future star. And I mean, that Dodgers system is so, so, so deep. If I was Boston, this is the guy I would have want added 
in the bets in price trade. I would, uh, Jeter Downs is okay, but I mean, for me, this is the kid I think you could have stole, and I think you'd have been better off. But I think he's going to be there, and I, I'm excited for this season for him. I think this is going to be the one where he really jumps up the boards. Hedham's a guy that you and I have had lots of chat about Sheldon Noose in Oakland. I don't see this guy being a superstar. I, he could definitely be a depth piece. It just seems like Oakland always has turnover at second base, and and he could be a guy that slides over there because he's certainly not going to take third away from Chapman. He's not taking first away from Olsen. So he's really fighting for that second base spot and or converting to the outfield if he's going to get major league at bats at some point here. So that's a guy that is a college back, could could move fast and, and really has already. So I'm concerned with the major power spike at AAA last season. It was PCL, we talk about that, ad nauseum. The, he had the same number of home runs at AAA last season. He did his entire collegiate career. And so aluminum bats, that's a little concerning for me. I mean, I don't expect them to hit 30 home runs in a collegiate season, but I, I am concerned with, with the spike in one year because the rest of his professional career doesn't show the same numbers. So that's something I'm watching. Power was interesting last year. Maybe he figured something out. Uh, Castor in Detroit, useless for me. He's just a he's just holding time until someone takes his job. So I'm not going to waste any time there. Jose Azuna in Pittsburgh, very similar scenario. Uh, really has a chance at some at-bats, depending on what Colin Moran does this year. He really didn't take it away from him last year. So there's a very good chance that he could take that. But you also might see um, the shortstop kid slide to third. What's the other one? Cole Tucker might slide to third when Cabrera and Hayes gets to shortstop. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, what, what they end up doing there. Uh, ahead of him, Evan Longoria somehow still playing. Really just <laughs> on this list because he's going to somehow get at-bats because of his ridiculous contract. And that's all he deserves in this conversation. Ahead of him is uh, Adrizina in Minnesota. Got some you know solid upside last season. Had a high on-base percentage. He's going to be a free agent uh, after this season. I, I don't really love him because there's some solid placeholders in Minnesota. Like, I don't think there's a lot of at-bats to go around. Uh, I think you're going to see Astadio steal some at-bats this season instead of this kid. So, I'm just not that excited. I'm completely off on him. Robbie's got him a touch higher, so I'll let you touch on him in a minute. Ahead of him is Colton Walker in Colorado, who we've talked about in our Prospects episodes. Another guy in Colorado that could be a star. They all come through the minors like they're going to be Nolan Arenado, and they all fizz out like they're going to be Ian Desmond on a contract. Ooh. Yeah. Ouch. I, I, yep. And then at the last part, number 40 in this group is Dal Lugo. I have him at 39. I think you're going to see him a touch higher on some other lists. I think there's some overhype on, around Dal Lugo this year, and that's because everyone's assuming – uh, Candelario is going to be an absolute bust. He had a sophomore slump, guys. Like, I mean, the reality is his sophomore slump was still not awful. It wasn't good. It wasn't as good as what everyone expected him to be. But that's a kid that's hit at every level. Um, so I, I'm not ready to put Dalugo in there because I don't think he's that much better if he is at all. So um, I've got him at 39. Robbie's got him a little further back at 46. And that kind of takes us at, at that group there. So that was 49 through 40. Robbie, who do you like in that group? Who are you staying away from? What do you got? Uh, I like the idea of Matt Theus in, 
in LA moving over to first base. Now some things need to happen in order for that to come together. But to me as a 24 year old with some good pop now blocked at third, it makes sense for him to be the next uh, first baseman with the angels that that's kind of my most hopeful one. Uh, Miguel Vargas, I think is really good international signing. Um, like been in the system for a bit. He's, he's 20 years old now with the Dodgers. He just seems to be one of those guys to me that could uh, come up in like a year or two. And all of a sudden everyone's like, who's this guy? What's up with this? But he's got to uh, certainly has got to get some better plate discipline. Harold Castro, uh, who you didn't want to spend any time on. I'm going to very quickly spend a moment on him because he's got some potential. I have him at 33 overall. Detroit has nothing locked down long-term in the the infield there's there's no stud there are potential guys all over and i could just see castro coming up early this year getting some at bats and sticking around for at least a few years he's older for somebody who's going to be kind of making his mark as a 26 year old but it happens every year with several different teams several different positions i could just see him being one of those guys um and then uh area adrazina with Minnesota, you had said, I, I liked him. I do. I think I have him ranked higher than he should be. I have him at 31, which does seem a little high. Um, started out as a giant, came over to Minnesota. He is pretty, I mean, so let's see, his career high for plate appearances, or sorry, at bats in a season's 335. So he's never had a full season. He's a permanent kind of bench guy. But Minnesota could be the right fit for him long-term now. Um, he's able to do a little bit of things here and there for you. He, he's not a high K guy. So he had a two to one strikeout to walk, but in 202 at bats last year, he had 40 Ks and 20 walks. The average was 272 OPS at 765. So he's right in the middle for you. He's a little better than league average. So this is the kind of guy that could fill out your roster for you. You get that hot prospect, um, somebody that might be in the next group that we talk about and this is the guy that tides it over for you until then and if you're in daily lineups he's probably a better guy because that minnesota infield is going to be so clogged this year that it's hard to say for sure where he can get those at bats but it's on the good teams that guys seem to just get at bats i just don't see how he wins a job away from Asadio, nick gordon royce clayton not royce, royce clayton, lewis sorry um of the future so like that's that's where I'm having trouble. Like He's, I just, he signed a one year deal this year, so he he'll be I'm assuming he'll be able to prove his worth this year and well, then that's sign an eight year deal camp. with Casia. Yeah, like <laughs> assuming he makes it out of camp, right? Like uh, Nick Gordon's right there, right? I think like, he safely is on the team for this year. Yeah, I don't know about safely, but yeah, I, uh, I'm not gonna say he doesn't have fighting chance because he definitely does. But I yeah, and. and so yeah, like so he's a little up in the air. And like I said, I think I've got him ranked a little little too high. Colton Welker, 41. He's somebody that I had ranked at 32. This is a Colorado potential. Um, Aaron uh I, I, do I want to say yeah, this is a potential replacement for <laughs> um Nolan Arenado, who may when, be on his when, way out. When he opts out. <laughs> well, yeah. So things aren't going too well in Colorado right now, and this could be somebody that moves over. He did not have a great 2019, but his pedigree and, and year before was better. We'll, we'll just assume a bounce back. The, the kid's 22, so there's you know room to grow. And then Dow Lugo, same thing. This is a filler, second option. Um, you know, if Candelario is officially off third base early this year, 
he could come in same thing with um, Castro. So we'll see what's up with that. So now we can move into what should have been an exciting number 39 and down, but Ty has ranked Todd Frazier so damn low at 32nd that he makes it here for us at 39. So Frazier's going to waste at bats this year in Texas, take them away from better players for a while. Number 38, Jonathan India with Cincinnati. Number 37, Bobby Dahlback with Boston. Number 36, Mikel Franco, now with Kansas City. Number 35, Nolan Gorman of St. Louis. Number 34, ranked way too high, Travis Shaw of Toronto. Number 33, Yu Chang Chang, Cleveland Indians. Number 32. Hey, we got a sound effect for Yu Chang Chang now. Oh. <laughs> That's like change. You yeah, change, change. change. <laughs> Number 32, Matty Carpenter of St. Louis. Actually, sorry, he's starting a new rap group called Two Chang. Oh. Wah, no. Wah, wah. No, doesn't, I doesn't. don't have my own sound effects to <laughs> give you that one. Uh, so number 32, Matt Carpenter. I don't know how why is that high. Number 31, Colin Moran of Pittsburgh. And then number 30 is Johan Camargo of Atlanta. So on this list, we see a pretty solid mix of everybody career-wise, guys who are certainly on the second half with um, Carpenter. I, I'm going to say Shaw is in that. You would disagree. And Frazier. And then the up-and-comers who have yet to get to strike it with India, Dahlback, Gorman. Um, do you have a favorite on this list? If I'm just picking, obviously the upside is there with Gorman. That's the guy that everybody likes. I think Bobby Dahlbeck could be a sleeper of value, even though he's 24 as a prospect. I mean, my favorite is is most definitely Yu Chang Chang, but not necessarily from a fantasy perspective. Uh, well, you I, put a lot of weight onto fantasy team names. Yeah. And you love having <laughs> Yu Chang for that one. Yeah. I mean, you're giving up a little early on the 29-year-old Travis Shaw. Like, he's not old enough yet to give up on. And And this is a really good point for a lot of people to think about. Don't go prospect hunting in every single situation. There's lots of value with guys like Travis Shaw, Matt Carpenter, right? Guys that are going to get you a bat. Todd Frazier is going to get you at bats this season, right? Like to sit on a guy like Dal Lugo, who will get some at bats, but there's no real guarantee he has a shot at a starting job. Like a guy like Todd Frazier is a guaranteed to get a look as a starter, right? So that's an important designation especially in this tier of of your drafts i'm staying away from nolan gorman i don't like where he's gonna end up in my opinion I, i'm just i'm not buying on him too much swing and miss in that swing for me bobby delbeck's in the same category it's why i got them ranked further back again we're talking different draft profiles rob likes high risk high reward i prefer the low floor or the high floor i always say it backwards even though i it's, know Brutal, it's kind but. of your thing to make make the point, which is a valid point, but then screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I think like it's the just, high like, floor guys, and it know? makes sense. It makes yeah. sense what you do. Yeah, I always love the high floor guys, and that's where where all these guys fit for me. Uh, Jonathan India is a guy that's interesting. I'm not excited about him either. I know he was a high high highly touted draft pick. This group's just not exciting for me. I think. Honestly, if we're looking at a shorter-term window with this group, I like Travis Shaw. I think he's going to surprise some people in Toronto this year. I think the back in the AL East will be good for him. I do think he's going to correct some of his swing, and it'll be interesting. I mean, he's certainly going to have a shot at some at-bats in Toronto, so 
He's not going to get buried like he did in Milwaukee. So I, I'm looking for him to have a bit of a bounce back. Like I said, still 29. Could be a really good return on investment for the Jays, and it could be the same for your fantasy team. So don't be afraid to invest in a guy like that knowing you're going to trade him midway through the season. I don't disagree with that at all. My difference here, and I'm only going to mention it with Jonathan India, is a kind of unique situation, which is why he ended up 34 for me overall. Um, we're not sure what's up with Eugenio Suarez now. We know that he had a shoulder surgery this offseason. We've seen good and bad come out of players with different um, ailments and having to have offseason surgery. So I just see Cincinnati as being the, we're going to win. It's going to be this year. The division's ours. You know, give us the NL Central, and they're going to go, go, go. And India's been kicking around long enough as a red that even though last year he moved a lot, let's see, his levels last year were A, oops, sorry, double A was where he finished, I think, last year. And he did not have great power numbers. He had 11 home runs in... 428 at bats so not a great power number and the average was 260 um you know four what was it 402 so yeah 767 for his ops not awesome numbers but the opportunity and the pedigree for him to me is there that i think he could get moved up quickly now he did start in the organization last year um but he's got really good you know i i know it's aluminum bats he's got really good numbers that huge senior, it was a senior season, whatever his last year was, um, 2018, his draft year. I see good things coming out of India this year. If they give him that double-A assignment to start, I could see him coming up if something happens. He did go to the fall league last year. So he also was able in, what was it, 60 at-bats. He got a couple dingers there, three dingers. I could just see good things happening if he's able to get coached up. I'll disagree just a little bit, and it's for total opposite reason is if you look at the depth in Cincinnati, it kind of doesn't bode well for that situation because the reality is if Suarez is hurt, Moustakas is going to go back to his natural position. You're probably going to see one of Van Meter or Senzel move back to second. I just think there's enough depth there, and it could also explain why the Reds signed 400 outfielders this offseason. Um, <laughs> and, and really, I, I think it makes that conversation interesting. You could also still have Castellanos come in and play third as well too so I doubt that's going to be the option but there's a possibility so there's a lot stacked against that I, I, I'm not saying it's not going to happen I just think there's some of those peripheral things that could work against that yeah I mean if um, if Aquino is a bust instead of a boom this year that's going to create some more outfield at bats for guys like Winker uh, obviously Senzel needs to be healthy in order to be in a lineup uh, Philip Irvine, Van Meter can play all over. So to me, he's good. Plus, he's got, I think, all of his options left. I'm just going to look. Uh, da, 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 options, where is it here? Yeah, he's got one option left. Josh Van Meter, two options left. So yeah, he could very likely be up and down all season long if Cincinnati sees fit. But I just think that the opportunity is there because Cincinnati's going to want to win now. More emphasis on this year than last year for that to happen. So, uh, again, I'm not talking about somebody who's going to come in for five years and crush it. It's just where there's opportunity. I think of this group, I think the potential biggest impact could be with Gorman. Second to that might be a guy like India. Absolutely. So, moving ahead into our top 30 now, at 29 is a high level prospect in Texas. That's Josh Jung. This is a kid I'm super excited about. I think he's going to move quickly. 
you know, Robbie, you've got him tagged in our notes as a potential triple A finish college bat could very well move that fast. That's really aggressive. Uh, but to, you know, have to think about the depth in Texas, there's not a lot there, especially on the infield in their system. And so he's 22, think, right? Yeah. So why not, if you're going to advance one guy in your system, why not make it your first round pick from last year who smacks the crap out of the ball? I'll say this. I think he only gets to AAA if their AAA team is in contention in the minor leagues. I think that's the only way they would rush him. And Just, he could be an AZL guy too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I do think they might do that. That that I'll get on board with. Um, I'm not as – I don't know that he's going to make AAA. But, yeah, if they're competitive in, in their, their playoffs, I think he'll be on that team. Head of him, Nolan Jones in Cleveland. This is a guy that is multi-category, OPS into the 800s. There's lots to like here. Uh, I just don't know necessarily how fast Cleveland's going to move here, especially if they somehow still move Lindor. Could make for an interesting slow roll on Nolan Jones. But the the talent is there. There's a lot to like. Uh, I just think it's a matter of where does he fit and can he beat out guys like Yu Chang Chang. Well, imagine Jose Ramirez gets moved this year. Like if he starts the season how he ended the or the second half of last year but for some reason cleveland's not in it he is an ideal candidate to get moved so i like lindor obviously but all those things that could happen this is the opportunity that if nolan jones is crushing balls he could just walk right into third base yeah i think lindor has to go for jose ramirez to go but yeah yeah the wheels totally come off right because they're still gonna have five good mlb pitchers yeah, exactly. So they've got lots to sell in Cleveland if they want to rebuild quickly. Uh, now is kind of the time. Ahead uh, of Nolan Jones is the aforementioned Jaime Candelario in Detroit. This is a guy that I'm, I'm pegging for a bounce back. I got him ranked 20th on our list. Robbie has him at 40. So he's a lot higher than where Rob would like to see him. But I, I like a lot. He's going to get at bats here. Detroit's going to put him through the ringer before they hang him out to dry. They rolled him back last year. Everybody thought that they were penalizing him. They just wanted to see him fix a couple things. So don't give up on a kid like this. He has too much caliber. The track record is there. There's lots of statistics to prove it. So I'm, I'm expecting him to bounce back. He definitely is one of our candidates for. Hello. My name is Team Post Hype. Uh, this is a kid that I think everyone's given up on. And everybody's buying Dow Lugo. So after they do come in and sneak in on Candelario, you get both of them. And then you have Castro too. If you got that 26 man roster, you get all three. I just (laughs) see this too many times. People get overly excited about Dow Lugo. They buy him way too early thinking they've got themselves a starter. And then you slide in and grab Candelario and you end up with the guy that gets the bulk of the ABs. So I I like Candelario. Uh, This is a guy ahead here is Abraham Toro, who we've talked about a lot in Houston who knows how good he is he could have been completely built on the back of garbage can uh, noises Um, but let's give the kid the benefit of the doubt that it's not the case I have him ranked 28th Rob has him 30 I only have him 28 because I said it in previous episodes I don't think he's a major league starter I do think he's going to get peripheral at bats for a while and if there's any injuries in Houston he's going to pick up the the workload there so that's a kid that has a small amount of upside. Canadian kid, shout out from the GTA. Ahead of him is Hanser Alberto, who we've talked about before. Kind of bounced around. He was one of the guys that made the errors in the 
the Jose Batista home run series, Texas versus Toronto. I don't know if you recall that one, Robbie. He was playing third base for them. Uh, oh, really? I didn't realize that. Yep. He was basically a rookie, uh, got benched because of those errors in the series. And now he's found home in Baltimore. And you know what? Like he kind of came out of the woodwork a little bit last year for most people. But at the end of the day, I just think there's enough talent coming behind him in Baltimore. There is some infield depth that there's, they're going to pop up here. And they have some guys like Ronaldo uh, Nunez and, you know, even Alberto. And who's the other guy I'm missing? Oh, my God. Uh, Matt Castle's obviously there. Yeah, and Ruiz. So there's just a lot of competition here. He's certainly going to get the first go this season. My, my concern here is strictly longevity. If, if it was just you have the job for five years, I think he's exactly where he belongs. But ahead of him is Brian Hayes, as we talked lead about. Off hit. Oh, sorry, Ty. He's a leadoff hitter, too. So Yep. That's, so he's going to score some runs. Know, yeah, a little nod there. Yeah, nobody ever pays attention to that either. So, like, quick pro tip well, there, guys. We do. <laughs> well, we, we do. But, yeah, not a lot of people pay attention to guys. But we talked about it with Gavin Lux. Like, Gavin Lux is going to hit seven or eight in L.A. That's certainly going to hurt his value. Whereas, as you're saying, Alberto's going to get an extra. Look, look what Bregman did last year with an extra 100 at-bats. Right? Incredible numbers for fantasy value. So keep those things in mind. Uh, but ahead of Alberto is Cabrian Hayes in Pittsburgh. A lot of hopes here that he's going to steal the job from Moran. Um, you know, we talked about Cole Tucker. I got those two backwards earlier. Um, but Cole Tucker is going to probably start shortstop this season, uh, at least at the beginning, I would imagine. Um, and then, you know, hopefully Cabrian Hayes is there. Five, five category guy here, probably. I don't know that he's superstar potential. I think he's just a very neutral five-category guy, um, maybe like an Alex Rios kind of profile, uh, 20 bombs. A good That'd be chunk. pretty solid, actually. 100%. Yeah, like I, yeah. he's just not going to knock your socks off. He's just going to come out there and be one of those consistent guys. that I, That's what I'm expecting from from Hayes. The guy that bounced out of, out of the post-hype sl- uh, slumber last season is Hunter Dozier in Kansas City. I'm not expecting a repeat. Um, if I'm honest, I, I don't like him. I have him ranked 30th. He's going to get a shot this year. He's going to get some at-bats. Rob has him much higher at 17, and I'm just not buying on Hunter Dozier. He's going to lose some at-bats to Ryan O'Hearn and to Mikel Franco coming in, and even to your boy, uh, Kelvin, whatever his name is. Gutierrez. That guy. And so I just think there's going to be enough competition, and Dozier is the casualty there. Uh, from a high-level production standpoint. But another guy on Rob's uh, go-to list this season is Nick Solik in Texas. I, we both have him uh, right in the 23-24 range. He's going to get a shot in Texas. There's just not a lot of competition. Really, you just have Elvis Andrews, maybe Joey Gallo. We talked about Ronald Guzman the other day, right, in terms of I think he's – there was no worse first baseman than Ronald Guzman the last two seasons. So – you know, there's definitely room for Solik to get some at-bats as long as he comes in and produces. And if his biggest competition is Guzman and Frazier, odds are he's going to find some at-bats. Uh, ahead of him in the last one in my group is Kyle Seeger. Just that guy that doesn't go away. Crazy pop. We all know it's there. Uh, it's just a matter of whether he can make consistent contact. That's really the difference between Kyle Seeger being an all-star and Kyle Seeger just being a guy on a big contract that people want to go away. Yeah, I'm with you there. At 800 OPS is expected, 265 average, 20 dingers from Seager. And there's uh, a Rizzo in the organization that is the next closest on the depth chart. 
um, for somebody that could actually supplant him. And I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Um, let's see, Joe Rizzo. What did he play last year? Double A. So I would say, depending on the contract, was, is uh, Seager done this year or next year? I know no, he's, he's got a... I think he's got one more. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I think he's got at least one more. Okay, so Rizzo might line up for that one, but he's not even making our list here because he is not a big pop guy and playing in a park like Seattle's, you need that. So nobody I really want to go too heavy on mentioning. I think he did a pretty good job guy to guy talking here. Solak, I just see getting some at-bats as the year goes on. And there's obviously possibilities in Texas for a guy like this to be a super utility type. I know that's the new fun, fun thing, but it's really just a way of us saying if third base is his primary position, he could easily have 40% of his plate totals from third base, but also play second, first, DH, whatever. Um, Texas is just going to want to get him in the lineup as far as I'm concerned. And he's at the right age, 25, where you need to be giving him those at-bats. I do agree with you that Hunter Dozier has the um, potential to lose at-bats, but I don't think it's this year, and I certainly don't think it's to the Ryan O'Hearns of the world. I think Dozier should settle in um, nicely. If it's not at third base, if he is going to move over, then that's fine. He'll be on the first base list for, for us next year. But this would be a f- Sorry, this would be a fun bet, though. Um, who has more at-bats, Hunter Dozier or Ryan O'Hearn? Oh, like, obviously we're eliminating any injuries. It's Hunter Dozier by a, a country mile. I'll take that so bet. So you're betting O'Hearn gets more at-bats than Dozier this season? Yep. Oh, I like it. Are we playing for beers and bourbon? Yep. How many? I just want to know, is it like... Uh, am I, am I going to be purchasing little airplane bottles or am I going to need to go to Kentucky? Cause my in-laws just drove through it. So I could tell them on the way back to pick something up. You should probably <laughs> just go ahead and tell them, pick something up. Actually, I guess I'll get to drink it since you'll be buying me some, um, beautiful trailer park boys lager, <laughs> but okay. We'll mark that down in the book. Um, did you rhyme off 20 or are we starting 20 down? You're starting 20, 20 down. All right. Gio Urshela, who? From where? Exactly. Um, came out of nowhere last year, played with Cleveland, Toronto the year before, DFA, you know, all sorts of different teams. Not that he has settled in New York at all, but he has settled himself as a major league viable player. And he was an efficient one last year. So he's got the nod for us as number 20. Number 19, a bit of the roll of the dice for us both. Uh, we both have him ranked. Hi, Yandy Diaz of Tampa Bay. We've talked nonstop about all the competition coming in Tampa Bay. Clearly, we see Yandy Diaz as a young buck who is going to make it through this year. Number 18, Jordan Groshans, uh, Toronto Blue Jays. We have talked at nauseum about the idealistic situation of Vlad moving over. Clearly, this ranking is with that in place. Uh, Groshans got skills, and depending on Toronto's timeline, could be moved up aggressively this year. Number 17, Brian Anderson, Miami Marlins. If you recall, the gentleman that I ranked or had stated at number 50 as being somebody who was drafted in the 23rd round of last year's MLB draft as the man behind Anderson in Miami, you'll understand how he gets the nod up this high. 19 for myself, 17 for Ty, 17th on the list. Number 16, Justin Turner, uh, doing every MLB player a solid by calling out Houston for their... Um, trickery and coming in 16th on our list. He is a bit of an older player, but nothing to worry about here. Great 
contact rates. This is a guy who does not strike out an alarming rate, get you walks. He's hitting you up five, six categories if he's healthy um, because he's going to be able to turn runs for you as well as RBIs on that very competitive Dodger team. Number 15, Alex Baum in Philadelphia. Uh, clearly, he's this high for both of us, ranked 15th by us both. Because we see the avenue to playing time as early as this season, uh, Baum is the type of guy who can slide into an incredibly powerful Philly lineup and produce. And if there's one spot that's not locked up in Philly because Scott Kingery may not be everybody's penciled-in third baseman, it's Alec Baum to the rescue. Number 14, Eduardo Escobar, Arizona. Great numbers, pretty good lineup. Things are good for Escobar. Number 13, Miguel Anduar, who may end up being the Yankees' DH because of Urshela and health concerns and all sorts of fun things. Coming back from Tommy John, I believe is what he had. Um, number 11, sorry, number 12, Matt Chapman, number 11 on my list, number 13 on ties. Just a, a good old-fashioned ball player. Didn't have the highest average last year. OPS was good, 30-plus homers. Uh, number 11, sliding himself out of the top 10 from last year. He was ranked fifth for us last year, is Chris Bryant. Um, not that we think Chicago's, you know, having the floor drop out from under them or anything, but there's a lot of good talent up above, and Bryant finds himself just outside the top 10. Ty, who do you love, who do you hate? One of, well, one of I mean, I want to start with Brian Anderson. I, I really like Brian Anderson. I think he's just a, a, a ball player. Like he's not the thick top button down type that really is my kind of guy, but he's a grinder. He works his tail off, plays multiple positions. So he's going to give you some eligibility as well. Um, third is his primary position, but the support system in uh, Miami is only going to get better. It can't be worse than it's been the last couple of seasons. So if he's producing at least at an, a league average or above level now, give him a little support. It should make him that much better. So, I'm liking Brian Anderson as a guy that you can get a little bit later than the rest of this group and get yeah. the same value. So that's why I think both of us have him there because I think we just see him as a strong value. Uh, Jordan Groshans is a stud. No questions. Absolute rock star. Nobody's talking about him yet outside of Toronto, and he should be because he is an absolute rock star. Might be the best player in the Jays system right now after Nate Pearson. So that's kind of high praise. He's number two, I think, in the system. but nobody's paying attention to 20 year olds in most cases. Right. So this is a kid that if he's not on your radar, he should be, uh, ahead of that, Justin Turner, just consummate professional, right? 290, 27 bombs, 881 OPS, like put it on the board. Uh, this is just a guy that gets done. Plus he's a big old ginger does rock one button undone in a lot of games. So he's right there on my list. You guys know how bonus tick bonus tick. Yeah. <laughs> I like Andahar for a bounce back. I don't think it's going to be early. We've talked about this before. This is a guy for me. I'm looking to buy in the first quarter of the season when everybody's ready to give up on him. I mean, you don't go and do what he did the year before. If you don't have any talent, it could be a guy that could potentially be swapped out as a depth piece later for New York. We'll see how that plays out for them ultimately this is just there's talent there so uh, I do think Alec Baum has a real shot at winning the job in Philly out of camp I don't know that they're going to give it to him I think he has to to make it clear and obvious that it, it's his but I think they're definitely be at least on watch to get him there because there's a ton of pressure on that team in Philadelphia this year after some big signings last year and this year they're going to be expected to get it done 
So if Alec Baum's the guy, similar to what San Diego did last year with Tatis, I think you're going to see the same thing. You're going to get a lot of internal pressure to make sure he makes that squad. And then Chapman, you know, you said it, right? He's just that professional. So ultimately I'm good with that uh, being there because he's just going to get there. He's day in, day out, gold glover, all that fun stuff. I'm not a Chris Bryant guy. I'm actually shocked that you have Chris Bryant behind me in the list, which kudos because I think he's kind of had some of his best seasons already. I think he's the kind of guy based on the big levitation in his swing. He could be the guy that disappears in the later years of his career. I don't know when that's going to happen. I'm just not a huge long-term fan of Chris Bryant. He's still ranked 10th, still a valuable player, still can help every single team that he's on. No question about that. Yeah. Like he's 28, you know, he, he certainly has seemingly had his best years at this point in time, because we've just been watching a decline now. Obviously, there have been issues. You know, he had uh, missed a lot of time in 2018, or not a lot of time, but he missed time in 2018, only played 100 games last year. He was back to a full season. But, I mean, you know, we're we're seeing a not a, a hike in case, but we're not seeing a lot of walks. He's about 2-1K to one K to walk. He's only got a couple stolen bases. RBIs were down. Home runs were good, 31. Um, but it's just, I don't know, it's, 903 OPS, like a, a good player, but everybody in front is better. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's a, it's not a, a shot at him as much as it is to say that the top 10 is damn good. And Bryant is on the outside looking in. Now, if Chicago was still in that 2016 prime, maybe we'd be seeing this a little differently, but that's not the situation. So here we are. Uh, Chris uh-huh. Bryant is the 11th ranked guy in dynasty that's a deal for you. I own him in a 24 team league. I would not trade him. I've been offered some really terrible things because I think people are kind of forgetting about him. Um, even in our home league, what was it? Uh, um, Trev, what was Trev asking? Like a fourth round pick for him, yeah, which would be somewhere crazy. around the one thirty, one fifty range. I mean, there are some terrible keepers in our league. Chris Bryant for a fourth round pick would be well worth it to any one of those guys. Smitty talking to you. Yeah, yeah, Smitty needs to make a move. I agree. Uh, but but ahead of these guys, we still got my boy, J.D., Josh Donaldson in Minnesota. I love that signing for Minnesota. I think that's the the anchor, that heart of that lineup that they, they need to be even better than their offense was last year. But I think it has more to do with that locker room culture and getting over the hump of, hey, we showed up in Yankee Stadium and got dusted. So I, I like him more as a – an emotional guy in Minnesota, but I think from a fantasy value, he's just going to keep doing his job. He is getting older. I think ultimately he's an injury risk. I, I think they're going to limit his at-bats early on in Minnesota up in the north when it's cold, but we'll we'll see how that plays out. The last guy in that group is, is Devers, who we've beat to death. Um, I'm watching him with eyes wide open this year because I think ultimately – there's my ultimately for this episode. Um, there's, Only three there's, – there's a guy that uh, has all the talent in the world. We just we both see some things we don't like. Uh, I'm concerned with him as a long-term high-value piece. I think he's going to have peaks and valleys in his career. I think that's where we're going to see him settle. He's going to have some really, really, really good stretches, and he's going to have some like he did in August and September last year. But, um, you know, Boston really, really likes him. Almost every other fantasy people or group likes him. Maybe we're just on the outside, but we, we definitely see some red flags. And 
in the event that we are absolutely 100% correct, we're going to let all of you know about that later. Absolutely. Now that's Devers at 10 and Donaldson at nine for us. Um, I actually had Donaldson at five because I love the move to Minnesota. Six category guy, same as Devers. Um, there is a 11 year age difference between the guys, but because we're not counting forever dynasty here, Donaldson for me gets the nod. I actually have Devers at, at nine and he finished at 10 for us. So, um, Again, like you said, Ty, maybe Devers is just a streaky dude. Maybe that's what's going to happen. But he did not help in April. He did not help for us in fantasy playoffs last year. I want another year on him. I'll probably say that next year no matter what happens. It's fine for us to not be as high on Devers as everybody else is because there's a ton of talent at third base. This is not a position where once you get into the teens, you're screwed especially in dynasty because there's a lot of potential for improvement with some of these other players. Um, number eight on this list, I feel like last year would have been three, but because we didn't do the rookies, we didn't have that option. Uh, it's flatty in Toronto and we both have him at six, but because of our varying differences elsewhere on the list, he fell at eight for us. We know that Vladdy could be an eight-category stud. All eight of the categories, including lower Ks, could be elite at third base, could be elite for any position. He could be a top or the top fantasy player. So for him to be this far back at third base really means we heavily weighted his MLB debut. And I'm not saying that we think less of him, I think that because we've watched him so intently, especially being in the Toronto market ourselves, we know what we need to see out of him to bump him up the list. And we think the lineup's certainly going to be better than it was last year. But that doesn't mean that this is the lineup that's going to move forward with the Jays long-term. We've heard out of camp already that Bichette's going to be one, Biggio's going to be two. Well, that tells us that Vladdy's three. So, well, and, and for me, like I tried so hard to justify ranking him higher because I do think... He's going to be better this season. He was better in the back half of last season. I think he's going to be good this year. I, I just I couldn't put him ahead of my top five guys. That's as simple as it was for me. And I have Donaldson. as the, I'm going to only mention the guys that are above because that's he's the only guy that's above. I have Donaldson above because that situation in Minnesota is kind of the equivalent of printing money. He's going to be able to print runs and print RBIs and print dingers if he's healthy. So Donaldson's going to mash in three categories. That average of his could be somewhere around 260. be great if it was 280, but that OPS is going to be in the upper eights. And yes, the Ks are going to be a lot higher, or should be a lot higher than uh, for Donaldson than Vladdy. But Donaldson takes his walks, man. My God, he takes walks. And it's such a huge thing when you can have Donaldson pegged in and then take a chance somewhere else on a flyer. That well, you got to love Donaldson more than Vladdy right now. See, I, I'm not going to go that far, but but I, I know where you're coming from. Uh, I mean, Donaldson in front of Nelson Cruz is a sexy alternative, right? Like, that's a pretty good setup for Donaldson. I, I'm buying what you're selling there. Uh, for me, in this ranking, Donaldson with the age it was really hard for me to put him ahead of the rest of the group. I had Donaldson nine. I think that's where he belongs on a five-year window. Uh, I love Donaldson as much as the next guy. I just, there's no way I can put him ahead of Vlad in this scenario because I do think Vlad's upside right now is much higher than Donaldson's. I just, I see Donaldson as having four and a half awesome seasons without injury. And then he got hurt in 17. So he missed part, he missed some time in 17. 
had some serious issues in 18 and only played a third of the year, came back healthy, ready to go. He's a vegan, which is interesting. And I like it. Um, and I really feel like he's made the commitment to take care of his body. And by going to Minnesota, he, whether it was, you know, just money related or not, I think he made the right move for him from a career standpoint because he's going to be able to take those DH spots, like you said, Ty. So I really like him. I'm not saying Vlad sucks. Not at all. I'm just saying what we want out of Vlad, I think we're getting out of Donaldson. So that's why I had him ranked higher. But he, anyway, that's seven. Are we going guy to guy here? Are you going to talk yeah, about let's seven? Do it. So yeah. ahead of him, we have Jose Ramirez. Rob had him ranked at the seven spot where he landed. I had him at five. He came in an average of six. So um, finished in the seventh spot for, for our overall ranking. This is a guy that was dynamite in the second half. He was Jose Ramirez in the second half. After People, a year of crap. Correct. People, well, I don't know if it was a full year, but he yeah. def, like, definitely the first half for sure. And then a little bit at the end of the year before. But I mean, for me, Ramirez is still a good baseball player. He showed it in the second half. And if you're not buying what Jose Ramirez puts down, you're not paying attention. Um, I just think there's a huge bounce back here. I think the the real difference, the reason I put him ahead of Vladdy is I just think he's going to score more runs. So Vladdy has to hit 40 home runs for me to put Vladdy ahead of Ramirez. So that was my deal breaker there because Ramirez is going to add the stolen base category that Vladdy's not touching. Well, my thing here is if he's healthy, it, like I'm assuming there must have been something going on with Jose Ramirez, whether it was, you know, like you've heard about like players breaking up with wives or whatever happening with family. If it was something that was like physical or mental health and that's now passed, Jose Ramirez should be just stud killer guy. But he went from this amazing 318, 957 line to 255, 806. Huge drop down for him. And that was with such a huge second half. Uh, the stolen bases are the big thing that separate him as a third baseman. He had 34 in 18, 24 in 19, uh, only caught 10 times total over the last two seasons and 39 home runs in 18 and 23 and 19. So there was a big shift, but again, neither of us are selling them out. We're just stating, you know, we have guys that we like more. So Ramirez to me is somebody that I'm going to watch really closely this year. That's why I think he's a trade target as well. We don't rank players based on things that haven't happened yet. We might say for a prospect, it would be good if something freed up, but that's not, that's not the clear path to playing time. So Ramirez is clogging things up. Um, for Cleveland prospects and for uh, Arroyo, who could break out if there was a trade. Just kidding. Um, Ramirez is just a guy to really watch. I don't think I'm going to have a share of him this year. I don't think I had one last year, and I certainly couldn't get one in 18 after I missed the boat. So I I'm not ranking him as high because I don't know that we can bank on it, um, but that kind of goes in line with number six here, uh, Manny Machado, San Diego, who – signed that big ass contract and then came up and was doing perfectly fine last year until he got hurt. He got hit by a ball and I can't remember who the heck it was. Um, somebody had put it out on Twitter that he had like a 287, 830 something uh, OPS last year before. And then his batting line finished much worse. He finished with a 256, 796. Uh, dingers were pretty low. Oh, never mind. They were pretty low. 32 dingers. 85 RBIs and runs were 81. And that was on the San Diego team that 
was getting ready for, I believe, this year and years to come. So I think he could be a real big bounce-back candidate, 27 years old, should be hitting that physical prime that everybody likes to talk about. And the lineup spot, I'm not sure. Do you know where he hits in that lineup off chance? No, I, can... I think he hits two. Is he two? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean. Lots of chance to get driven in too at that point. For sure. I have him at four on my side and I ranked him there for a bit of a unique reason. Uh, as much as I love Manny Machado, I own him basically everywhere. Uh, I've always been a Machado guy. The reason I like him so much is because he's so strong in the second half. If you look at his splits, He's one of the best second-half players in all of baseball. You look at the half season he played in, in L.A., lights out. Most of his back half of his season in Baltimore, lights out. So when it comes to championship time, this is a guy you want to own. And so that's why I have him up. Like I don't know that he's statistically going to finish ahead of the other guys, but this is a guy that wins you championships. And so that's what we always talk about here. And ultimately, that's why I have him ranked there. I, I've always loved him for that reason. The biggest thing I think he could do that would really make him a game changer is he could go back to stealing a few more bags because in 2018, he had 14 after having the year before where he had nine, the year before that zero. And I remember that was a big thing in 2016 that every, or sorry, in 2017 that everyone, everybody was talking about, well, Manny's not running because in 15, he had 20 steals and then he had zero and then it's been single digits with one year above. So something he could really do 18 he finished with what 14 and that short stretch with the Dodgers uh, he did have six stolen bags down the stretch but last year only five and he was caught three times so it'd be great if he was able to add that dynamic because like we said there's only a few guys at third base that are bringing it to us uh, but he does also have that multi-position eligibility which is huge if you are in daily lineups or if you have a really risky short stop or third base that Manny could be the other guy who could really help to solidify things for you. So um, moving into number five, somebody that I love, my number three, Anthony Rendon, signed that big contract with LA. I think he is just settling into a lineup that is just going to mash balls and be huge on runs. Um, I really, really like this signing for the Angels. I think they still, I mean, assuming Listella is going to be able to be a good contributor They've got a good bench. This should just be good news for him this year and beyond. Um, Ty, are you a, a Rendon fan? I know you've got him ranked at eight. Doesn't mean he's a bad player, just further back than I do. Five spot difference. I've talked about him a lot, or uh, this factor a lot with other guys, and that's the home run upside in LA's. Both, both LA Angels and the Dodgers a little bit thicker for the night games. And if you're not named Mike Trout or Cody Bellinger, you tend to have fewer home runs during the night games. So um, that's something that I think hurts Rendon because he's not he's not a moonshot guy. He's not a light tower power guy. He's a first five rows out of the stadium kind of guy. So I could really see him having a disappointing home run total this season, which could hurt you in multiple power categories. I do think he's going to be fine. Hit tool, like batting average will be fine. He'll score some runs. Odds are he's probably going to hit either three. I, I would probably set it up two, him two and Trout three. That would be the way I would do it. But I think most Sabre guys are going to tell you to do it the other way around. Uh, I like I like the hit tool in front of the all-purpose guy. So uh, if they set him up there, I like Rendon a lot better. I just don't think that's the way it's going to be. I think it's going to be the other way around. And and I think that's, for me, where I'm I'm losing a little bit of faith. Still top 10 guy, still going to be valuable. 
probably 20 to 25 home runs is the, is the floor and the batting average will be fine. So he's not going to hurt you. I just, I, if you're buying in this group, he's the guy I'm probably buying last um, in the, in the top 10, probably if I'm honest. Wow. That's crazy. So I look at him as an eighties guy. So you hear lots about eighties grades and stuff. And I look at his floor as eighties. So for runs last year was 117 um, huge, but that's to me, eighties in the eighties for him is his floor for home runs. He's been a twenties guy last year. He popped up to 30. So that's fine. Let's just put him somewhere in the mid twenties. That's perfectly fine. That might not be something that, that crushes it for you. Steals, he's going to chip in with a couple. Single digits, not, not going to be huge. But the reason why he's my 80s guy is that he's an 80-walk kind of guy, an 80K kind of guy. He's a one-to-one, -one, and his average is consistently 300-ish. Last year peaked 319. His last time under was uh, 2016. He was 270. And then his OPS, he's going to be over 900 based on the last three seasons where he was 937, 909, and 1010. This is a damn good baseball player. And there's no reason that I see this becoming some like Josh Hamilton catastrophe in LA. I think it's going to work out just fine. Um, I have him ranked one better than the next guy we're going to talk about. And I would lock that in. Like, I think my top three is a very solidified top three. I love your top three um, because of the one difference we have, but we'll get to that shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I like uh, Rendon a lot as a baseball player. Don't get me wrong. Like, if if I'm picking a real-life guy, I'm, I might want Rendon because he's just ice cold. For those war not, leagues, right? 6.3 war last year. Yeah, but if I'm picking a fantasy ball player, I don't know that Rendon's my guy. And, again, everyone has a different fantasy profile, so if he's your guy, like, don't get all bent out of shape. It's just a guy that is, is not my guy. So, um, ahead of Rendon is – Eugenio Suarez, who, you know, for a guy that just rakes, has had very little um, attention given to him as a result of that. I think there's some, you know, communities within the fantasy world that are all over Suarez, but I think in, in the general public, most people don't even know who this guy is, right? Kind of a guy that was a forgotten man in Detroit, really had a rebirth once he got to Cincinnati and has become a star, right, on a team that, no one even thinks of anyone except Joey Votto. So, you know, that's that's a result of Votto being a, an absolute monster. But lots to like here with Suarez. He's kind of a multi-category guy that just does his job. And that's definitely a guy that I, I'm buying. Um, where, where do you sit on Suarez? I love him. I, I think shoulder news aside, um, he is a, a huge asset on your fantasy team. And you're right, Ty. Like, he is consistently a forgotten soldier. So he broke in at 22 in 2014 with Detroit, but really, really got to like solidify himself as a full season guy in 2016 and was kind of a surprise, but he only had 21 home runs. Then 17, 25, and sorry, I'm, I'm looking at uh, 26. Uh, and then he went in in 2018 and started to really take hold here at 34. And then last year, boom, 49, he can go right back down to 34 as far as I'm concerned, because he's doing everything else. And this team's going to be so good around him that his runs and RBIs should both be in the nineties or higher because he's going to have guys on base behind him or sorry, that are driving him in and guys on base in front of him to drive in, which has not been consistent. The big concern, the, 
circle it if you're in a K league, is he is going to pound Ks up. This was a huge concern with uh, Mankata that I talked about last year because he had, did he set the record in 18 or he came damn close to it? Um, but Suarez is another guy last year, career high at 189. And the average is not awesome. It was 283 and 18. Last year it dipped 12 points to 271. But he's right back there with the OPS. The OPS over 900 last year. And the year before that, it was just under 900. So well, let's assume, I, go ahead, Ty. And I think for the first time in his career, I think you're going to see him eclipse 100 runs this season. I think that's something that I'm looking for him to do. Because the um, team's going to have the bats behind him. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. It's a much better looking outlook for Suarez. Uh, Moustakas th- uh, number should stay the same. If Senzel, Winker, if you can get a lot of production there, if uh, Shogo Akiyama is creating some havoc on the base pass, whether that's from the one hole or the nine, those could all create really good opportunities. And I, I just think that Suarez is the right guy right now. Entering his age 28 season, this is not an old man. This is somebody who broke in at 22. And I like it. I, I mean, we're already, we're talking top 10. Now we're into the top five. We're at four here. Great ball players. It's just a matter of if you want to build your team around serious power, Suarez is a guy you can probably count on to do that for you the next couple seasons. And, since and I bet you in most pools, he's probably the 10th or 11th third baseman off the board, which is not correct. But I would imagine that's where he's going in a lot of spots. And now that the shoulder news is out there, a lot of people are going to have hesitations. I mentioned it when we were talking earlier. Um, that's going to scare people away. And that's a legitimate concern to have. But let's be realistic. Surgeries don't have to be completely career-ending detrimental things. Yeah, no, definitely bye, bye, bye. He, he's taking at-bats already in spring training, so I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. Um, ahead of Suarez is my boy, Yamakata. This is a guy that I was touting heavily going into last season, and this is the moment in time where I get to say, told you so. Uh, he was very, very good last season. He hit 315. He dropped his strikeout total significantly. Yeah, right? did a great he, job on that. that. Like I said, that was my huge concern. He went from 217 to 154, um, and although he did have 60 less at-bats, irrelevant. He did, he did the turnaround that you talked about, Ty, that I was laughing about. Um, go ahead do your thing no no i'm gonna take the high road here and i'm just gonna double down on it i have him ranked as my number one and a lot of people are how do you put him ahead in arenado i don't care i'm doing it Uh, five years five year outlook exactly how do you put him ahead of bregman that's the one that was hired not gonna lie to you i had trouble putting him ahead of bregman but i did it anyway because it's awesome and i feel great about it So, Makata's my guy at one. I, I just, there's lots to like here. He's going to hit the top of a very, very good lineup, and it's only going to get better. It's going to be very good this season. It's going to be better the year after, and it's going to be better the year after that. So, I like him to be the guy in the fifth year. We look back and go, holy crap, we probably should have put him higher. And then you look at our list right now and you go, well, they did. So good for them. And I, I just, a lot of people aren't ranking him where he belongs right now. So, Mankata, go get him before people wake up. Yeah, the 27% K rate is still high, but like you said, Ty, it, he's making up for it everywhere else. He's he's a six-category contributor and can certainly get better, like you just said. So um, Also, top on button. Oh, my God. It's, the top it's, it's, it's a trend. Guys. I'm telling you, watch it. Real ball players do it. 
team <laughs> real ball players do. <laughs> what, what about so do real ball players do like half sock high sock uh or baggy pant see that's that's a personal preference uh, that that's not a swagger thing that's just a a comfort thing most people think it's a okay. style thing it's a hundred percent a comfort thing okay all right all right moving on number two uh, Nolan Arenado, I have him at my number one. It's an obvious decision. Just look at his stat line the last five years. Um, the guy, even though he's pissed at the management in Colorado, I could easily see him leaving and going anywhere else in Major League Baseball and still being 95% of the player that he has been in Colorado just because the lineup that he could move to could actually protect him instead of uh, potentially expose him now. Arenado has been blessed with Charlie Blackman uh, with a, what a season and a half or two and a half seasons of Trevor story. But there's, there's been ups and downs in that Colorado lineup as well. And Arenado has not been one of them. So he's a powerhouse hitter. He's an amazing defender. And this is the kind of guy you want at third base. Um, I don't see the potential for him to go anywhere as, as or sorry, as horrific, so he's my number one locked and loaded. Love me some Nolan. See, I have him a little further back. He's my three. I do like Nolan. I think he's got at least, what, two seasons left with Colorado, assuming he doesn't get traded. Yeah, and, and age 29 right now. Absolutely. So in almost exactly the same amount of bats home and away, there's a very big discrepancy for him. So uh, he has almost, no, he has over 100 less hits in the same number of bats away from home. He has almost 40 uh, doubles less on the road. Uh, the triples obviously is an anomaly in Colorado. Yeah, it's just that's the park with the doubles too, really, because yeah. everybody's playing them back in Colorado. Possibly, but he's he's a full thirty home runs shorter on the road. Uh, RBI totals down significantly. Uh, just there's a lot of things to be concerned about on the road, and that's that's a team related thing that has nothing to do with the field. That's that's a player and a team thing. So. For me, I'm concerned with Arenado leaving Colorado, and that's the thing that I'm I'm watching. So, um, if he's leaving, I think his value slips. I think he could be as far back as ten if he's out of Colorado by the end of this season. Wow, that is interesting. So, something certainly to watch, um, and that brings us to our number one. Um, do you have your trash can ready? <laughs> Yeah, Alex go. Bregman, baby. I mean, it took him an extra 150 bats over the rest of the guys in this group to be the number one fantasy player at third base. So you take that away from him and you take the trash can away from him. I do think there's a step back. He's still an absolute stud. He's a grinder. He's a contact guy. He's got the short porch in Houston. That's the key for me for Alex Bregman. There's an extra 10 home runs for him there because of that. Right? If you were to put him in a deep left field like St. Louis or something, He's he also falls back. So for me, that's really the difference maker because he could be Anthony Rendon without that left field porch. And so that's really where I, I'm I'm excited about Bregman because he has that in front of him. Just the guy's a great player. He's got a great play discipline. He, well, it'd be interesting to see how that translates this season for the entire Astros team. Uh, just really interesting. Thirty plus home or home run totals. Uh, in the past and in over 900 OPS. So there's lots to like. It's just a matter of how much of that is trash can related. Yeah, I really, really think that the fact that he can walk more than he can strike out with as many at-bats as he has 
Um, in his four seasons, he's yet to strike out 100 times. The first season, 16, was not a full season for him. But he has um, less than 100 Ks. And last year, he had 119 walks to 83 Ks and an OPS over 1,000. I mean, yeah, 40 home runs. Sure, if the ball's changed, if, 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 right? If everybody throws at him, if all these things happen, things could obviously change. But like you said, he had all of those at bats. Uh, last year, he finished with 554 um, and was able to do a ton of damage in that time. So I love Bregman. He was both of our number twos, right? Yep. Yeah, so he ended up as number one as a result of you being like, crazy on Mankata. <laughs> like even, even if the floor is lower than I think it is on Bregman, he's still a really huge asset. Uh, I think he has probably the highest floor of the group in the top 10. I think you, you can pretty much take it to the bank that he's going to give you 85, 85, 30 probably with the average in the OPS to go with it. So the walk total is for sure. He's probably the leader in the clubhouse, I would think, at third base in terms of the walk total. Highest guy that I noticed for sure, Donaldson probably next behind him. Yep, exactly. So lots of like, nothing to be scared of. Uh, that kind of wraps up the, the the list. It's a long list. We added a little extra because there's so much depth at third. One of the big things to note at third is you see a lot of former shortstops and second basemen get slid over there once they hit a power profile. So you see a little bit more in this group when they're getting to the pro level. And in today's era where you're seeing the utility stuff kick in, uh, it's definitely something you got to be paying attention to because some of these guys that traditionally would have been starters are now platoon guys. So you just have to make sure you're always paying attention if you're not in that top tier at third base. Yeah, it's not always worth the investment, but we think from this list, you should be able to pick your path. Do you want to go with the studs early? Do you want to pick up a top prospect and an older guy? Or do you want to take your chance with somebody from Detroit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any man, do it. So that is, wraps us up this week. Be sure to head over and, and review us. And don't do like the meathead that was in our listener league who was causing a, a ruckus and we kicked out. That's when he decided to do a one-star review. It's not overly mature. Um, but for those of you that have been giving reviews, thank you so much. Those of you that haven't, shame on you. Get over there. <laughs> give us a review. It's not it hard. will help other Dynasty League listeners find us, and Correct. they won't necessarily be in your league, but the fact that you are helping others helps us, helps the fantasy community. And, yeah, for the guy that told me he wasn't a listener and complained and complained about the uh, setup of our Roto League, which we're still drafting in, I think we have 11 rounds left. Um, I said, obviously, this isn't a good fit for you. And we, you know, removed him, replaced him with somebody who had asked to get into the league in the first place. And all of a sudden we see a negative review. We're all good for haters on Twitter, um, but we certainly want the podcast to grow so that the information that we're giving as time passes and it becomes valid information. Because as we're talking in Dynasty, we need time to pass for everyone to see the true genius. Uh, you smart peoples that are listening right now, we thank you so much again. Hit us up on Twitter. We've been told if we're not following you, we're not able to send you the um, information. We're welcome or we're happy to give you all the lists in detail. So just uh, hit me up at Robbie Baseball One. You should be able to send me a message. Hit up Ty at Turney Boss or at Dingers Pod. If you say something like, I want the list and I've listened, we'll follow you um, to get those Twitter followers up for you. And we will also send you all the lists. Awesome. And until next time, it's been Rob and Tyler on Dingers. 
This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.